Hey, this is Kevin Weatherby at Save the Cowboy. I want you to tow that stirrup, throw a leg over the kennel, take a deep seat, and pull your hat down tight. I ain't gonna tolerate no whining or griping, so let's all strike a long trot down that narrow trail and learn how to ride with God. Come on! What you waiting on? Let's go. So last week I started telling you a, a story about the first time I met my wife was at a Pat Green concert in Midland, Texas, and we were being introduced by mutual friends and uh, it was a big outdoor concert. So there's thousands of people. And so Lee and Tina were our neighbors that were introducing me and Lovey. And uh, me and all of my roommates, there was four guys that lived in, in a house. And we got to the concert and we knew about where they would be set up. And uh, my other three roommates went on ahead of me. And I stopped to talk to some other people that I knew. So as the story is relayed to me later, Okay, obviously I wasn't there when this happened, but uh, so Lee and Tina and Lovey are all standing there, and Lee catches sight of my roommates, and uh, Lee said, oh, here they come now, and Lovey's kind of looking, you know, because she's supposed to meet this ruggedly handsome cowboy, and uh, she's really excited about it, thanks, <laughs> and uh can tell, and so anyway, they come, you know, kind of walking up, and Lee kind of leans over to Lovey. He's like, that first one's Jack Allen. She goes, oh, okay. He's like, that, that second one is, you know, David. She goes, oh, okay. And that third one is Lyle. He's the one that owns the house that they all live in. She's like, oh, okay. Where's Kevin? You know, so my roommates get there, and they're like, well, where's Kevin? You know Kevin. He's seen somebody, and he's talking to somebody. He'll be here in a minute. Well, it was a cowboy minute. You know, I was there about, you know, 10 or 15 minutes later because I had to stop and talk to everybody. And um, as I am walking across this field that is just filled with people everywhere, there's thousands of people, my bride-to-be spots me. And she asks a single question. And when I finally, to, to Lee, and whenever I finally walk up, Lee is trying so hard not to laugh Lovey's got bright red cheeks because she's really embarrassed, and I don't know what's going on. So later, I asked Lee, I was like, you know, was my zipper down or what? Because y'all were all laughing, and I didn't get the joke. He goes, oh, no. I knew it was going to work out between y'all whenever she looked out across that field and spotted you and then said something. I said, well, what did she say? And he couldn't hardly get it out. Now, I've really prayed about this. And before I tell y'all what she said, I had an epiphany. Just so that y'all could get the absolute full effect of this moment, so that I could really bring this story to life, I have decided, if y'all want to, that I wore the shirt that I was wearing that night. Y'all want to see it? You sure? You sure? All right. Here we go. Guys, you might put your hand on your girl's leg just to keep her still, okay? Now, this is back in my younger days, okay? And this was cool back when. But this is what I was wearing. So as I'm walking out across this field, my wife picks me out of thousands of people and goes, who's the guy in the black hat? And Lee goes, that would be Kevin. And she goes, no way. <laughs> so 
So whenever I get there, she's all like embarrassed. And, you know, of course, whenever I got there, I was like, yeah, I'm Kevin. How are you doing, ma'am? Just turned on that Texas charm. She had not a chance, right? Not a chance in the world. But being a man is not about black hats. It's not about swagger. To be a real man, we must see what a real man looks like. And, and not in my opinion, but in God's opinion. There was a guy named David, and he was a man after God's own heart. Acts 13.22 says, But God removed Saul and replaced him with David, a man about whom God said, I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. So who better to look at the life of a man than somebody that God said, this is a man after my own heart. Now, you know, most of you have probably heard of King David. Probably his most famous feat is what? Killing Goliath, right? He kills a, a giant of a man. And to set the story up, um, what it is is King Saul is the first king of Israel. And the Philistines are attacking, and they are at the Valley of Elah, E-L-A-H. And they're squared off. And the champion of the Philistines, Goliath, is he's huge, like eight feet tall, big old man. He comes out and basically challenges any Israelite to one-on-one -on -one combat. Whoever wins, wins. Whoever loses, you know. Basically, you know, betting a country on one battle. And so, anyway... They're there for like three weeks because no Israelite will fight. No Israelite will fight. Well, David is a young kid, okay? He's less than 20 years old. And uh, his dad, Jesse, says, David, we haven't heard anything in about three weeks about your brother or the, the war with the Philistines that's going on. Here, take this, uh, take this food, and there's some other stuff in here for the commanders of the army. Take this food and take it to your brothers and find out if everybody's okay. So David says, okay. So he takes his donkey and he goes out there and, and everybody's lined up, right? And as David is sitting there talking to his brothers, Goliath comes out. And he basically just blasphemes God, the God of Israel. There's no men and everything. Well, David, this little bitty old kid, somewhere between 16 and 19 years old, he gets hot under the collar, and he's like, hey, man, how come y'all letting this dude talk like that? They're like, nobody can beat him. He's like, I've fought lions and bears. This uncircumcised Philistine ain't nothing. So David goes out there and whips him, right, with a sling and a stone. You've probably heard the story or read the story, right? But let's look at the events that lead up to that that really mark why David was a man after God's own heart. Now, we are going to talk about six different attributes of manhood. I want you to understand something. These six attributes are not solely for men, okay? Women can have all six of these as well. You don't have to, have, you don't have to be a man to have these, but you can't be a man without them. Okay, does that make sense? It's not just, you know, about macho man, we're the only one that has this. No, it's not like that. You don't have to be a man to have these, but you can't be a man without them. Okay? 
So the first thing that we must look at is David was humble. He was taking food to his brothers. Now, I conveniently left out one fact about David taking food to his brothers. See, Saul had done evil in the sight of the Lord, and he had talked to Samuel, and he said, go anoint David, son of Jesse, as the next king of Israel. David had already been anointed king by the prophet Samuel when he takes food to his brothers. He had been out shepherding the sheep. Now, can you think of a more boring job in the entire world than watching sheep eat? My goodness, what'd you do today? You know, and, and every once in a while, he would have to fight a lion or a bear, so there was exciting. I think being a shepherd is just like being a cowboy. Everybody thinks that being a cowboy is like this great, you know, oh, y'all get to do all of this stuff. 99% of the time, it's boring. What did you do today? I looked at cows, fed them some hay, checked the water. You know, and, and then we get to tell about that 1%. Oh, get to rope this thing, and that's the only stories we tell about, so everybody thinks it's all glamorous, but it's not. Being a shepherd is not much different. David is out shepherding, and then he comes back, and his dad's like, hey, take this food to your brothers. This is the king of Israel. But did David go up there and go, hey, I'm the king. Did y'all know that? Did y'all know that Samuel, that man of God, told me I was going to be king? David never said nothing like that. Even though he had already been anointed king, he takes food to his brothers. Instead of bragging and boasting about who he was, he went there to serve. A real man is humble. Humility is his strength, first and foremost. Humility is a strength. This world will tell you that humility is a weakness. It is not, man. This world does not want strong men. This world absolutely does not want strong men. And being humble makes you stronger than everybody else. And so the way the world tries to disarm us is by saying, oh, dude, don't, don't be humble, man. That's, if you, you know, turn the other cheek or try to serve somebody else, if you don't take what's yours, man, you're weak. No, actually you're strong. David was a man after God's own heart because he was humble. The next thing that I notice in this story is that David is prepared. David is prepared. You know, he, he didn't mind the monotony of shepherding because fighting, after fighting bears and lions, Goliath was nothing. A man does what he has to do and he tries to grow from it. Because, I mean, think about it, men. What, what did you do all week long? Man, we worked, didn't we? I mean, maybe nothing exciting did happen. But it's in that monotony is, is where we grow. And, and most people don't do that. They're like, if nothing's going on, I'm not growing. But David was always watching, always caring for the sheep, and always looking out to protect. He would throw himself in front of a bear to protect a sheep. And that's what God has called us to do. Think about the verse that I read in Acts 13, 22. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. We're talking about he wants us to be humble and he wants us to be prepared because if you're not prepared, because God's got a plan for all of us, and if God calls you men to that place of action, if you will, if you're not prepared, he's not going to call you. 
Whatever you've got going on right now, you need to look as an opportunity that God is preparing you for what he has to come. No complaining or comparing his life to someone else's. Sure, he wanted to fight with his brothers, but he also wanted to keep his family fed. You want to be a man after God's own heart? Learn to be humble, men, and be prepared. And the third thing is he took action. He took action. He didn't ask. Well, I mean, he did. He's like, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that is blaspheming the God of Israel? He's like, I'll fight him. He didn't say, hey, how come all of y'all haven't fought him? Y'all a bunch of sissies around here? How come none of y'all ain't gone out there? He didn't say any of that. He said, I'll go fight him. In other words, a man steps up. A man takes action. And you know what? I, I know some religious people will probably try to roast me over this. But the one thing when David said, I'll go fight him. I'll chop his head off. I'll bring you back his head, Saul. He's like, I'll cut his head off and bring it back to you. He's like, you're just a boy here. Put on my armor. I ain't wearing your armor. It'll slow me down, right? Forgot where I was going with that. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I remember now. I got carried away with picturing God's head being cut off. You know what David didn't do during that deal? Well, let me pray about it. I guess I better pray about this before I do anything. How often do you hear that in church these days? Well, I guess we better pray about it. Listen, you ain't got to pray about doing the right thing. And I didn't say you shouldn't ever pray. If you're prepared, you've already been praying, right? If you're humble, you've already been praying. But I see way too many times, you ain't praying about nothing. You're making excuses to see if somebody else will do it, so you ain't got to, men. Take action. Step up. You ain't got to pray about doing what's right. You see somebody picking on somebody else, more helpless. Man, you know, oh, God, should I do something? About Let's get your butt up in there and defend the weak. That's what a man does. And if you're humble and you're prepared, you will be ready to take action. Now, we know the story. David goes out there with a sling and a stone. And basically, Goliath laughs at him and he said, Who, Do you not have any men in Israel? David takes off running at him. He's got his sling behind him and embeds a freaking stone right into his brain pan. Sinks it deep. Goliath never saw what was coming. He got there. Goliath's sword was still in its sheath. He pulls his sword out and chops his head off and takes it back to King Saul. Says, there you go. Problem solved. That's a man right there. We need men like that. The last three we'll look at it is, a, is another uh, one of my favorite parts. So... They, they chase the Philistines, and they kill a bunch of them. They chase them out of Israel. And they're walking back, and the word of David, of, of what he did to Goliath and everything, it's already spreading through Israel. So they're walking through these towns, and somebody had made up a song, and all of the people were singing, Saul has killed his thousands, but David has killed his ten thousands. Right in front of Saul. So guess what? Saul gets mad, right? And from then till the end of his life, he has a vendetta against David. And, and the story always goes back and forth. He tries to kill David. David gets away. He says, I'm sorry. David comes back. He tries to kill David. David runs away, okay? It just goes back and forth. But where, where we're going to end up is uh, David and his mighty men are at the, uh, uh, in a place called En Gedi. And if you go to Israel with us, you'll get to see where En Gedi was. We've been, we stood right there at the spring of En Gedi with the goats and stuff like that. 
And Saul goes into a cave to relieve himself. And David's men are like, hey, man, here's your chance. You can go up there right now, kill Saul. We won't have to run and hide like criminals anymore. Do it. So David creeps up behind Saul, but instead of killing him, he cuts the hem of his cloak off and then retreats back. And then Saul gets done and, you know, goes out. And when Saul's back with his army, David walks out and says, King Saul, you know, blah, blah, blah. And King Saul turns around and he says, hey, man, you're still trying to kill me and I haven't done anything to you. He said, I could have had you. Here's the hem of your cloak that I cut off. He said, but who am I to kill God's anointed? I will never harm you. You have nothing to fear from me and some other stuff. But the three attributes that I love so much about David in this encounter that us men can learn is that David was a leader. He was a leader. He led his mighty men. Now, there, there, was, there was the three and then there was the 40 mighty fighting men, I think it was. And, you know, why were they called mighty men? Like Benaiah was one of them. There's a book called In a Pit with a Lion on a Snowy Day. The Bible says that Benaiah was out one day and it was a snowy day and he killed a lion with just a spear while they were both trapped in a pit on a snowy day. Another time he took a sword or a spear away from two giant Amalekite warriors, I think, and killed both of them with it. I mean, these dudes were, these dudes were bad, okay? And David was the leader of them. You know, a leader doesn't have to be the biggest, the best, or the strongest. A leader is able to bring out the biggest, best, and strongest in others. Men, is that what you do for your families? See, being a leader, being the head of your household, doesn't mean that you get to walk around telling everybody what to do while you watch Netflix, that is not what being a leader, being the head of your household means. Are you bringing out the biggest, best, and strongest of your family? That is your job as a leader. It's not to boss people around. It's to bring out the best in your family. It's to bring out the best in your community. It's about to bring the best out in, with your coworkers. Are you bringing out the best in them? Because, see, here's the deal. Men make men. Men make men. That's one of the reasons I love the cowboy way of life. You know, getting to hang out with Ty and Mitch and Brett and Gary and Robert and Dale and, you know, all these other guys, man. Men make men. I'm sorry, ladies, but y'all can't make men. You can raise them, but you can't make them, okay? Men need men, to grow, to look after. We need a man to help bring out the best in us. Um, the, another man needs us to bring out the best in them so that we can all get better. Men make men. Surround yourself with men better than you. Any of David's 40 fighting men plus the three? It's a really cool story. You should read about it. They could have all taken David out single-handedly, any one of them, I think. But they followed David because he brought out the best in them. He brought out the best in them. What else? So, so we talked about the principles of being a man is being humble, being prepared, taking action, being leaders. And the fifth one, David was honorable, honorable. He has the chance to kill Saul, but dared not because Saul was God's chosen. All of his men were like, kill him, kill him. 
We're all running around the country like stray dogs because of him. Kill him. He will kill you. And David was like, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't doing it. God chose him, and who am I to kill God's chosen? See, oftentimes, the right thing to do, the honorable thing to do, is hidden because it's the hardest thing to do, and it will be contrary to what everybody else tells you to do. You've got to learn to do the right thing, men, regardless if anybody else likes it. And, and a lot of times, it's not going to make your life easier. Doing the right thing a lot of times makes your job harder. You know, I, I've told the story before when I worked, worked for McCarty Equipment. I had a, two jobs going back and forth, and Enterprise Rent-A-Car was going to offer me a job, but they never would, they never would, they never would. So I went to work for McCarty Equipment for 24000 a year, and two hours later, Enterprise Rent-A-Car called me and offered me 65000 a year, and I told them no. And they said, why? And I said, because I told, I've been waiting on y'all to call. And you didn't. And I told that guy two hours ago that I'd make him a good hand. They're like, well, you hadn't even started yet. Just call him back and say you got a better offer. I said, I already gave him my word. I hung up the phone and nearly threw up. I mean, I was losing more money than I would be making. 24000 versus sixty-five. And when I told Enterprise, they came back and offered me seventy-five because I wasn't going to take the job. It's like, we want you now more than ever. We'll bump it up seventy-five. 24000 versus seventy-five, And I said, no. Do you have honor in your life? And finally, the last one, forgiving. Forgiveness is a reflection of who you are, not a pardon of what someone else did. After everything that David had been through, man, Saul had tried to, he chunked a spear at him like four or five different times, so hard that it embedded in rock walls. I mean, Saul was a big dude. Time after time after time, Saul kept trying to kill him. And every time David was like, he'd forgive him. He would forgive him. He would forgive him. And doesn't that bring us full circle? Because the only way you're able to forgive is through humility. And now we come back to the very first one of being humble. You want to be a man after God's own heart? He will do everything I want him to do. That's what Acts 13, 22 says. I have found David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. He will do everything I want him to do. Men, I've got one question for you. Are you doing everything that God wants you to do? Are you the man that you know God created you to be? Or is it time for you to step up? In 1 Samuel 24, 17, right after all of this takes place, Saul says to David, 1 Samuel 24, 17, you are a better man than I am, for you have repaid me good for evil. You have repaid me good for evil. Does that sound familiar? Isn't it something that Jesus said? Do not return evil for evil, but return evil for good or good for evil see there's an accusation against the church today that states well in church people y'all just think you better than everybody else you better be you absolutely better be i want you to be better than everybody else i want those that attend save the cowboy and watch online i want y'all to be better than everybody else i want y'all to be better at being humble i want y'all to be better at being prepared I want y'all to be better at taking action when you see a need. When you see a gap, fill it. I want you to be better leaders. I want you to bring out the best in others. I want you to be better at being honorable than everybody else. And I want you to be better at forgiving. Do y'all think you're better than everybody else? I don't know. But I want you to be. How else are people going to look at our lives and say, we want what you have, which is Jesus Christ, if we're not better than everybody else? That does not mean that we're better in a prideful way. 
Jesus was better than all of us, and we are commanded to be Christ-like. We need to be humble, prepared. We need to be ready to take action, be leaders, be honorable, and we need to be forgiving. And there's no better place to practice these six attributes than the biggest battlefield men that y'all will ever face, marriage. You know it's true. You know it's true. The battlefield of marriage. Anybody who's been married very long will tell you it ain't easy. That, that, that honeymoon, man, it don't, last, <laughs> it don't last a long time. Start getting annoyed at each other. You're breathing. You know what I mean. You know what I mean. But guys, listen. Listen to me. Did you know that hidden inside every godly woman is a longing to be submissive and led by a strong man? I've asked over 100 ladies a series of questions to which every single one, except one, except one, said the exact same thing after I asked them. I asked them, what would you do for a man like this? And then I asked them a series of questions. And every single woman, except one, said the exact same thing. They said, anything. Anything. Guys, would you like to have a wife like that? You want a wife that says, what would you do for a man like that? Anything. Well, come back next week, and I will tell you what type of man that a woman will do anything for. Let's go to God in prayer. Father, in this group of people listening are some amazing men that need your permission to burst forth into the world. They've listened to society's definition of manhood instead of yours. These men have been hiding their true strengths as well as their contributions to your kingdom. Wake them up, God. Prepare them for battle and transform these lives into someone after your own heart. And it's in Jesus' name I pray.